Neymar had a sexy mum, tell you that much. <laughs> I tell you, this when, man needs help. When they showed a pre- when they showed a prego, I just looked at the screen and went, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> episode of the end podcast and today well we've got some we've got a a double delight we've got a double dragon of delight we are first going to introduce you to a a little film called the stranger which is on netflix i imagine globally it's australian film but don't let that put you off (laughs) and then of course we're going to be talking about black panther wakanda forever so we're enticing you in with the big boy but i think you're going to enjoy what we're talking about first as always i am the co-host matt thank you very much for being with us today and as always please please to be fair our subscriptions have been bump- jumping up quite a bit recently so i can only assume because that's me and tim doing an outstanding job every <laughs> single time so yeah it's, the growth is actually we were on something like two followers and now we have five <laughs> What? We do? No, no, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's exponential. <laughs> yeah, very, very much the word, because I even unfollowed it at one point, because I was like, fuck these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell these are clearly not getting on. <laughs> Has he got a gun to their head? So, <laughs> yes, like, follow, subscribe, share. And before we forget, I want to say a special thank you to our fan in Brussels, in Belgium, who has listened in its entirety to every single episode that we've wow. uploaded, every single one. So if nothing else, I feel like I'm personally impacting somebody. We're personally impacting somebody <laughs> yeah, yeah. on the, I was going to say weekly basis, but I know how inconsistent we are. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've got now we've got the housekeeping, but seriously guys, Click it now, whatever you're listening on, it's in front of you. Like it, rate it, give us a five-star rating, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're on. We've got an Instagram, we've got a Twitter. You can always unlike, you can always unfollow us at the end of it. Treat the podcast like a $4.99 free trial to Apple TV. Sign up now, and then if you don't like it at the end, then you can always just unsubscribe but nobody ever does. <laughs> <laughs> Not a year later, anyway. So, the first film. Oh, no, we're not even at that point, are we? What a, <laughs> what, what a time to be alive. The confusion, the excitement. <laughs> I've not even introduced everybody yet. So, the easiest one. My regular co-host, Tim. Tim, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. What? Oh, before we... Um... I was going to say, our Belgian subscriber should contact us. I'd love really? to know who this person is. You know, Absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah, I want to know who they are. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. So if you, I know you're listening out there, so please do like hit us up on Twitter. I just need to know who you are, our most loyal fan. But otherwise, doing great and very excited to talk about um, what we're talking about today. Good stuff. And we have not one, but two of the finest people I know and two of the finest guests we could possibly have on here, except for the famous people. So first of all, <laughs> it's been a little while. Brian, how are you, me old mucker? Yo, I would say I'm as good as I look, but I'm feeling a bit wretched. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to go. I'm ready and raring to go. This is uh, Brian Boogie Down Brown. You know where to find me on Twitter with the B-O-0-G-I-D-E down. Let's go. Magnificent. <laughs> and last, nice. but I'd say, but not least, but I feel like we're all, the, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. I would say we are all the least. <laughs> but bring us <laughs> together fair. and magic happens. <laughs> That's Tara, fair. baby, how are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be with you guys this morning. I'm glad to have you as well. Thank you. <laughs> so the first one that we're going to be talking about today is... The Stranger, as I said, it's on Netflix, so everybody can have a little watch of it afterwards if they like how we spoke about it. I can't see why not, because we're good at speaking and we're quite nice people, so the intrigue should be there either way. (laughs) It's a sophomore film from director Thomas M. Wright, who had had a number of smaller roles in smaller films. And the two main stars in this are two of my absolute favourites. They were together in The King, and they were also together, I think, in The Green Knight. Joel Edgerton, one of the finest, I think he's probably, if you were to make a top 10, a list of top 10 actors that have, haven't won an Academy Award yet, Joel Edgerton would be in that list for me. And for me personally, it's a bit more of a pet actor, but Sean Harris, what I love about Sean Harris is, and we'll probably get into it in this, he can look like a, like a dashing businessman that you that you should be afraid to leave your wife alone with but at the same time he can play an absolute vagabond and it's both believable the guy's just got one of those chiseled homelessly sexy visuals <laughs> the film is out uh, just recently so 2022 and it is would you call it a a crime thriller yeah i would absolutely describe it as a crime thriller it's also maybe a bit of a procedural also. I mean, it's a thriller, certainly a procedural, a psychological drama, um, all yeah. those things wrapped into one with just two just incredible lead performances. Joel Edgerton, you know, is one of my favorite, has been for a while. I think the first thing that where I really noticed him was when I saw The Gift, his movie he did, that he directed. I believe he directed and he, he starred in it. Oh, really? This is, I think, back in 2015. I just thought that movie was just incredibly entertaining and, and very, very disturbing. And, and he was on my map. And has been since then. And so I, I'm a big uh, Joel Edgerton fan. And this did not disappoint me. I thought he was tremendous. Both of the leads were. Yeah. Dude, the gift that's been on, the, that's the next film that I wanted to watch for ages. Because it's got two of my other favorites. Jason Bateman's come from yep. Taciturn, Comedic, the only sensible person in, in a room of idiots sort of thing. So even then, I suppose he wasn't a jokes man, but I love him in serious roles. Obviously, he grew in into Ozark, which was just brilliant from start to finish. Mm-hmm. It also has Rebecca Hall. So yes. for that trifecta of talent, like I'm very yep. surprised. At but every time we talk about it, it's one that I'll watch that tonight. And then the months will go by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's, that's him. my favorite movie from that year. I mean, I, I just remember it being just extremely exciting. So yeah, I would recommend it to anybody. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. I definitely want to see it. 
I think it's a loaded question in a way to say, did you enjoy this film? Because it's incredibly tense. It's incredibly mm-hmm. atmospheric and it's unapologetically, I wouldn't say myopic, because that kind of positions the writing is maybe short-sighted. But what I mean is it's all very close up. It's very personal. Completely agree. The tension involved is not just plot driven, but it's like clearly psychological. There's a lot that goes on to enhance that. I mean, I think we were talking right before, and Tara, you can jump in on this too, but the the sort of sound editing, the weird transitions it makes in terms of sound, it positions you in the same sort of like psychological space as the characters, especially in the first half, where there's a lot of discrete scenes that don't apparently hang together or it's not clear how they hang together. Mm -hmm. And you're confused in a way that, especially the Sean Harris character, um, you would imagine him being confused and then there's also things that happen like with the lighting too there's like abrupt transitions from you know the darkness of night the clear day it has this effect of like condensing time in a way which is very strange you know if you're psychologically vulnerable you can imagine like time being condensed and not not being linear in in that respect and so it's not so much that the film's not linear it's just that it has the effect the way that the filmmaker I forget the filmmaker's name. What's his name? Maybe. The way that he designs the film. Sorry for interrupting. Okay. It's Thomas M. Wright. No, 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 not at all. I asked. It does have the effect of positioning you in the same way in this, you know, as the characters are positioned vis-a-vis one another, which is very interesting. There were a couple of places where some of the sound distortions, I wasn't sure if they were indigenous, mm-hmm. like whether I was hearing what the characters were hearing or their impressionistic version of what was going on. And Mm -hmm. I'm still not sure that I had like big block letter notes to ask the rest of you when we were together. Like, is the ringing that you heard, was that indigenous? Was that really going on? Or inside somebody's head and we got a visit to it? You know, part I'm talking about. I wrote a note that said, this is oral anxiety. Mm -hmm. And that's how it felt to me. So the the mood definitely works. It's very provoking. If I can pick up on that before we go to Brian, um, it reminded me of early Jeremy Solnier, like a blue ruin. When you're looking at, attention stack in a film when you watch like the Safdie brothers it's very much relentless escalation whereas I think the other way to almost accomplish the same amount of tension is holding back and allowing you to go come on just get it over and done with waiting for somebody to jump out and go boo this very much reminded me of Blue Ruin it's funny isn't it sometimes you just want to get it out of the way just rip it off Um, (laughs) it has a very interesting way of pulling you out literally drapesing you out of one yeah, scene yeah. and putting you into another i was just in this really tense moment and then the next thing i'm like oh yeah. oh and then you're back did i enjoy it now i don't know how i passed that as a thought because enjoyment for me is it generally comes from abandon but this, I had to really engage the brain. Mm-hmm. So many things like that just kept you on the edge of your seat. It's an interesting film. It needs to exist. It does so much with sound. It does so much with photography. It does so much with expectation of turning them. A work of art. The parts, how they're made to sit together, the fade outs, the final scene with Joel's character when he goes back mm-hmm. it's almost A24 stark horror at some point it's I would really, not have been surprised really... I was looking at this thinking the editing in this from what Tara said about the sound editing and what Brian was just describing for the, the actual editing of the film you won't believe what I've just clicked on so 
the editor, Julia Block, and two of the most high-profile things on her filmography are Blue Ruin and Green Room, the, the two breakout breakout oh, films yeah. with Jeremy Solnier. Yeah, I, could, I'm, I feel so pleased with myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Green Room, Professor X is a fucking neo-Nazi. What a film. Oh, I love that movie. So good, so good. I think something that plays into those editing choices is the unravelling of Edgerton's character when he's having those sleep sequences, which are very yes. visceral. They have the verisimilitude. Because there's a cat and mouse element to it, you're never too sure what's coming around the corner. That kind of prolonged tension stack lends itself very well to not knowing when the dream sequences are dream sequences until the end of them. And then as Brian yeah. perfectly says, it yeah. just snatches you out of it. Mm-hmm. We've said it's not a plot-driven film, but I felt that the story, I felt very satisfied by the end of the story. And I, I, I felt very satisfied, especially by the Joel Edgerton Marks character arc. Mm-hmm. There seems to be like this tradition where it's like the cop who gets in too far and sort of starts losing himself. Yes. That, it definitely but plays Serpico. in those sort of tropes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I thought that the, that the conclusion is very satisfying in, in terms of his character arc. So I thought that was, I was very satiated by it, such, such as it is can't even tell you exactly when I became immersed. I just know I was there and had that feeling, like you said, of being snatched back from one scene to the next, especially the first time he lied about not knowing who Rylet was. Yeah, totally. And it seems like the movie is trying to explain how similarly postured both of the characters are psychologically. And yes, I think it does in a couple of ways. Like, frightening. Yeah, they're like strangers, obviously, to one another, but also to themselves. I mean, that's one of the things that the movie's getting at. And then midway through, when the movie shifts from the Sean Harris, Harris's character's perspective and then centers the Joel Edgerton character, I mean, it's, it's clear that the shift takes place. But I think one of the things the movie is trying to show you is that it's that explain is that they are similarly psychologically postured that uh, yeah there may be a shift in subjective experience but it's not going to disrupt you necessarily the viewer because what you're realizing over time is how similar they are and you get that there but for the grace of god go i kind of feeling what made the one go so far afield compared to the other what's going to make the other one stay sane and stay connected mm-hmm. to his son and all that kind of stuff that he wants to do it's it's yeah. frightening to think about how thin the line is between them considering how disparate what they do is totally my mind kept thinking back to the first guy trust mark yeah yeah just whatever you do trust mark and that kind of shit embeds in your mind especially when you that was you, deep. you believe the narrative you've been given mm-hmm. but and then to just go from that point to the point where john was falling over breaking glass and about to fucking ruin the whole shit because he was getting squeaky bum and it made little tiny bits like that really significant. And then you get to the point where he's arrested, he's asked for a smoke, and he leans up against the wall. <gasps> From yeah. the police sketches. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. just, you know, little things like that. And that's what the film thrives on. They're gigantic, of, tiny moments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to mention that dance sequence as well and I think um Tara you've mentioned on a previous podcast it's when he's saying what music do you like and he goes well I don't oh, yeah. and he's like what do you mean you don't like music he goes well I'm not a song not a music person guy. yeah that's and, uh, it I, I was saying that you've mentioned in a previous podcast it's it's the perversion in the everyday 
And when you cut it to music and slow it down a little bit, and he's doing this very extravagant, almost bon vivant style of dancing, yeah. like very quite self-indulgent, it's burst on stage at, at like the Moulin Rouge or something like right. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. I would say in that situation, do I just go stop it? You're freaking me out, or is, no, because right. it's no. The real perverse is when they're in the car, the truck, because it was one of those small, gigantic moments. The level of Joel Edgerton's character of just of him being Mark and just being in the moment, and because I'm not sure if my reaction as a human, much less being an undercover person would be like, what the? Right. A knee-jerk reaction. And he was just like, no, it's cool. <laughs> you know, yes. I'm not bothered by, and especially again at the end when he was losing it and he knew and he had to hug him. Yes. And just in order, so he just brought it home. I was like, wow, my God. But, you know, how do you hug him without breaking his neck? Did, mm. Is it me or did his eyes just change a little bit when you could see him from the back too? Like he allowed himself yeah, a little bit of slippage. Though. He's hugging him. But also, if he didn't, he probably would have collapsed. Right. So it's as much as it is for him in that moment as it is for the other guy. And that's why you can see him let himself go. Like, Would you recommend this one? Absolutely. Yeah, recommend it. I definitely would. Just one more thing is I have this thing for movies where actors act in the movie. Yeah, and that's yeah, what yeah, Joel Edgerton's yeah. doing in this case, too. It's he is playing a character, but that character is acting like a second character. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I love, love that, that stuff. Yeah. And I, I, I think he just fucking nails it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely would recommend it. I would recommend watching it in one go and not falling asleep every 30 minutes. <laughs> 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 but that's that's nothing to do with the film. That's just that's just how how tired and sickly a little boy I am. <laughs> 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 so the next film that we're going to be talking about, probably the one you've been waiting for. But I hope you liked us talking about The Stranger, because I like listening to us talking about The Stranger. But much of that was because I like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Wakanda Forever, Black Panther 2. I believe the 30th MCU film. Wow. Woo. Crikey. There is so much to say about this, but then also at times there was very little happening. It's almost like a contradictory viewing experience. I think the only place to start, a very quick question to everybody, and I'll say, I was wiping my cheeks and holding my nose for the whole of the first opening scene, 10, 15 minutes, and I was right at the front of the cinema, so I couldn't even (laughs) see if anybody else was losing their shit. But I just thought, my you know when your eyes get a little bit wet? But then I touched my cheek and it was running down. And then I felt like, you know, when your chest sort of contracts a little bit and you think, well, it's coming. And so I had to start pinching my nose so I wasn't making noises. Now I felt to myself, like, before I watched this, I thought, I'll be cool, it's fine. Like, yeah, actor, great person, very tragic, but it is an actor, I don't know him. Wow, wowie, woo-wah, wow, that. (laughs) If, if If you ever have to be in the unfortunate position of this very specific situation, like terrible situation. That's how you do it. I felt legitimately like I was going to a funeral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was very moving. And not only was it a funeral, it was the kind of funeral that I was taught to treasure in that it was a homegoing celebration. I remember my elders telling me when I was younger and first had to deal with things like this, that we should really be joyful 
at the exits and crying at the comings in of life. And that was so well reflected in what was there. But at the same time, I was just shattered to be reliving it all. Yeah, man. You know, I sat there just, you know, motionless. Win the MCU titles, though, oh just God. in complete silence. Jesus, the, the whole purple hue. It's beautiful. Bozeman smile, his mm. swag, his embodiment of, you know, this fictional Black king, and it's gone. And you just felt that weight, oh. and it was just mm. like, oh, God, I'm doing it to myself now. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was thinking it, listening to you, man. Like, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Can I ask a question? It wasn't perfectly silent, but it almost had, you know, that death rattle, that slow-moving wind at the end of um, Infinity mm. War when mm. everybody was being dusted and it was completely yeah. silent. Mm. Yeah, there was no, something that was like a... Current. Oh, dude, I'm getting tingles. I'm getting <laughs> tingles, obviously. Like I've got both hands now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that the the funeral scene, the first ten minutes, was very taste. I mean, there's just so many ways to screw that up, and it was yeah. very ta- tastefully done. And I'm with Brian. The point at which I that I got, I was truly moved was with the title card, the flipping of the Marvel thing, because Same. there's a way to distance yourself from that mm. because you're like, oh, the, you you can always just say, well, the character's dead, but. They break the fourth wall in a sense. You're looking at the mm-hmm. Marvel title card. That's really about the person, right? Chadwick Boseman, as opposed to like the character of T'Challa. And that to me was like a, I thought quite moving. I, I just thought they did a nice job with that over overall. So yeah, to place the audience in a way that you don't feel voyeuristic, that it's not yes. uncomfortable for you watching this group of people that have lived through it all. I felt I'd been invited into it. And not invited into that's their deep. grief. Like I was a part of it as somebody that's been stuck around these films for a long while. And they were saying, it's okay. You can feel this with us. Yeah, and I think it, it really opens up. That whole first section, just building on what you said, Matt, I think it opens up what I think is the strongest part of the movie. The, because it really centered, it doesn't so much center Chadwick Boseman's death or T'Challa's death so much as it centers the grief of the women who remain setting aside all the set pieces they have to have and all the chess pieces they have to move to get things into place for the next movie. But the strongest parts of the movie are where it centers their grief. And mm-hmm. that's where I think, I, like the first hour of the movie, I thought was just great for that reason. been a lot of talk about um, Angela Bassett being Oscar nominated. I think for me, without jumping too far forward, a lot of her big moments I'd already seen in the trailers, which was disappointing. But Letitia Wright... Whatever anybody may or may not think of her, she's got to be. She's got yeah. to be nominated for that. That not, was just out. St- what a performance! Yes, and yeah. Did we all cry? It's not like competitive crying, <laughs> but but I, I, may, I need to feel better. I, I need someone else, somebody else, to tell me that they were crying. <laughs> I need it. Lie to me. Lie to yeah. me, Tim. <laughs> no, I I did not, but I understand how you one could. Fucking puffer. <laughs> <laughs> Real men cry in public. <laughs> Real right, men could right. be weak. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, I set you up for that a little bit, didn't I? <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> the, um, so general feeling, it was good, and I think it's okay for something to be good. This is the third 
Oh, I thought you were froze then. I panicked. I think this no, is... we're, we're, li we're listening intently. <laughs> I feel like this is in the same category as maybe, and I'm not saying in a qualitative way, yeah, but yeah. in the way that the films have, have been structured in Eternals, Shang-Chi, whereby felt the length of it. I did snooze a little bit and I did have to go for two pee breaks as well. But wow. it's a film that has constructive problems and it's far from perfect, but I do think there's enough in this for it to be, yep, it's a good film. I really wanted something like Return of the King. I felt like this was going to be the bookend of phase four fantasy warfare from the midpoint to the end. Like an end game or an Infinity War final act. It left me a little bit deflated. The lead character has gone, which is the story is built around. What can we do now? to honour the fact that we appreciated his contribution and still keep the spirit, the weight of what this character represents. So much. So much, you know, socio-politically, culturally, pop art. How do we honour that and continue the narrative without disrespecting it, without pandering? Just so much at stake mm -hmm. here. So and much. then whilst we're doing that, tie in the MCU as well. Every film in this phase, I think, has been like a project. Eternals, great superpower, gods, but actually they don't really exist and they can get switched off like that. What do you do? Shang-Chi, the culture with a pantheon of people we know nothing about. How do we slide them into the narrative? Done. Doctor Strange, bookend. Uh, Spider-Man, bookend. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. My first thing was like, oh my God, it's Empire Strikes Back on Black Panther. Like, you know, the deaths, yeah. yeah. And that's why the best parts of the worked. film were the character arcs. Angela, yes, the, the power, the weight of her performance was phenomenal. But Letitia had that journey of, oh, dude, the rage and the hatred and then bringing it all back around. It's a strong film. You can kind of watch it as standalone, just watch Black Panther 1 and watch this and they just mm -hmm. fit. You don't have to know anything about The Winter Soldier. You don't have to know anything about Thanos per se. It's mm -hmm. just its own story. As the, the MCU expands and you're having more um, debuts in particular characters, that mm. whereas before each phase we had like a rotation of, we've got these four and now we've got those four plus another two. And then mm. the next one, we've got those six and another two. So you could have yeah. one per phase. We're almost at the point now whereby Phase four is introductions. And then phase five is going to be catching up with the guys that we know. With the gap in between the release dates for individual IPs that you touch on a brilliant point that I haven't thought about. What Black Panther uh, Wakanda Forever does really well is it carries the character's narrative onwards. And that is only more impressive when you think about the script was ready to go. And then Chadwick Boseman, they had to completely rewrite it. But this... Mm -hmm was a sequel that felt much more organic to the first one than per se Doctor Strange did. Yeah. Similar like thematic territory. I mean, the irony is that less happens, less has happened in these Black Panther movies for the, the great world altering things in the MCU. But the themes that, that it mines are actually much more important to real life than any of the other movies in the sense of like, these movies are about you know, colonialism, exploitation, you know, real themes like they mine that territory and brought in and, and deliver that even further than the first one. So I, I appreciated that. What this punctuated really well for me was a theme throughout 
phase four because it's the most prominent example of it. Phase four starts and ends, and actually there's a through flow. It's about loss. When you start with wonder at the very beginning, you end with this, Eternals, um, loss of identity, really. Loss of identity. And, and the, the, the mother character and all of that. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Now that you've said it, that's the golden thread. How did I not say no way home? I mean, if anybody lost yeah. anything mm-hmm. than anybody yeah. else, it was like yeah. Peter Parker lost everything. Yeah. Well, 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 of I mean, madness. Yeah, it, black, you know, yeah. what's her name? Lost her appearance. That's why she's punching for universes. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, that is yeah, yeah. You've hit it, you've hit it, man. That is gold right there. We, you know, when we get into the next phases, we're going to look back and we're going to see how that loss ties into that. That was a thematic mm. element. Yeah, that's heavy. With Shuri, I likened it a lot to where Tony Stark was in Iron Man 3, the post-traumatic stress of what he went through in the Avengers film. And mm. that journey whereby he forced himself into his work, was doing all the suits, it wasn't until there was external pressures put onto him, external conflict, that he was able to reconcile his internal conflicts. And I feel that Shuri had a very similar character path in this film. <laughs> and also, they they turned, I they turned, um, they put name, they basically turned Namor into Blade. Yeah, elaborate. Pregnant mum gets bit by a vampire. Oh, Pregnant mum oh, oh. gets 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 the injection, dies yeah, in childbirth, yeah, creates yeah, a, yeah. C- creates a, a novelty in the yeah, genetic the process. In childbirth, did she? Oh, did she not? I tell you what, she lived a long life and she died. I tell you what, Namor had a sexy mum. Tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, this when, man needs help. When they showed a pre- when they showed a prego, I just looked at the screen and went, "Yeah, that makes a lot of sense." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. That's verisimilitude for you. That is that is visceral. That's gris- visceral oh, filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. I'm cringing hard, audience. <laughs> <laughs> There's the funeral. Now she's now this woman's pregnant. Marvel, I take my hats off to you. That's directing, Ryan. <laughs> Stand up and applaud in a quiet cinema. <laughs> Sit down, you idiot! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. How do we make what everyone thinks are going to be the Atlanteans, and we can't now because Jason Momoa and Co. have already done that? How do we find a culture, and how do we find a race, and how do we find a story and a believable narrative? They still had a sense of it's almost avatarish connected via the sea and they had this holistic existence which was really so, quite clever which was. made them powerful in their own right in the way that they were able to utilize nature as a force this small tweak to stop the comparisons with jason momoa especially that they spent minimum time under underwater i think that was probably key you fill in the gaps, you've got it. You've seen this kind of thing before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But conversely, when you look at Black Adam, which I haven't seen, mm. however, you go, oh, so what's this DC's Doctor Strange? Oh, who's this? DC Ant-Man. And oh, who's that? Yeah. DC's girl, woman, whirlwind yeah. woman. <laughs> mm. 
the, to use it as sort of Mesoamerican was absolutely fantastic. Like what they called the Talacans. And I was really interested yeah. in seeing a tumor as well as one of his generals, because in the comics, well, in the comics, he's, <laughs> tradi- <laughs> he's traditionally uh, an adversary to, to yeah. Namor, uh, who's yeah. always trying to overtake his throne. They did a bit of a Doctor Strange one with that, didn't they? With um, Mordo. M- Mordo basically yeah, yeah, being yeah. The, the, right. the antagonist in that situation. That's where the well, adversary well, was. And the other girl, there's his other general, they were like in his neck. So as powerful as they were, you can see that the, the level of political conflict has been established. This is something that I had a really big problem with. The reason why 3D doesn't work very well, I'll watch this in 2D, by the way. The bulbs are all lowered to save money. When I sit down in a film now and it looks dark, it instantly gets my back up. Now, I thought maybe I was maybe over-egging the pudding on it. Maybe I was a little bit drunk on my own sophistication of identifying, oh, did you, no, no, it would have, they should have had that lamp up a little bit higher. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't of the correct luminous flux. <laughs> However, having been on YouTube since it's a common problem i thought that the blue people sometimes just look like people when they were in the water now i don't know if that was mm-hmm. and maybe that could have been a stylistic decision and i'm going to choose my words no i'm not going to choose my words very carefully i'm just going to say <laughs> it and and if you've got a problem with this that isn't my intention and the actual issue is with you this is a film <laughs> where it has a black cast a lot of the first act was in the dark and it was almost impossible to distinguish certain characters the brightness of this film the the color correction i think the 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 cq was off all the way through the film until it got to the very final set piece whereby it was oversaturated and for example the ironheart outfit looked like it was from 19 fucking 1998 manga um yeah i definitely noticed it too i guess i automatically went to thinking like you said that the cgi needed the help I, I guess i didn't think about it quite as hard as you did, but, but i did notice it yeah to finish off on the telecans i think it was a really clever decision to put it put it in the utican peninsula because in real life that's where the meteor hit that wiped out the dinosaurs so yeah. the fact that we had the second vibranium impact in that region it's canonically clever. And the other thing from doing a little bit of research, it's canon in the comics that the hatching celestials are held in a chrysalis of vibranium. So again, we have this tie to what possibly was going on in the internals, tying it all together. I also loved when they, I mean, this is just someone that was being clever in the office. He went, have you noticed that Namor is basically French for no love? Namor. Yeah. That Namor. was fucking... That was chef's kiss, that was. (laughs) (laughs) And the opening scenes were quite horror-esque, weren't they? Like, with them just popping up in that kind of, like, sirenistic... The sirens. Yeah, the sirens. Wicked. I was like, wow. And it also showed in in that that these guys aren't here for fun. They ain't fucking about. Like, Mm -mm. this is an extinction event. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. The only thing... How is Tiamat not been addressed by Namor? Like the dude's poking up the fucking sea off the coast of what, San Francisco or wherever it is. That's the one thing that bothers me about this phase that we've had so so many world-changing events, but they're never Mm -hmm. cross-referenced. 
the celestial poking out of the sea, Namor would have said, look, you wouldn't want to know why we're fucking angry. Look what you've done to my house. Yeah. I, I've got a, a sneaky sense that they run concurrent. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, I, I, because there is no way that would not have come up, especially talking about, you know, we didn't spend so much time underwater. Mm-hmm. I don't think that so when we see the timeline, it could have been Spider-Man was five years later. I think this is before yes. five years mm. later. Like kind you of know, like Guardians would... Volume 2 that just picked up. Yeah, just yeah, just kind of like near enough what happened next. So it could it could be a matter of months. We yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. You know? Tim's so. so still. It worries me. I'll go, shit. <laughs> no, 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 Tim. no. Tim's like this. It's like, like tracks. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so keep in mind I've been up since like 4 a.m. <laughs> Poor baby. Wow. Oh, that's that's commitment, mate. Love it. Thank you. We, we oh, yeah. appreciate you. We appreciate your commitment to Sparkle Motion. <laughs> 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 On the Everett Ross point of view, this film was without question 20 to 30 minutes too long. There was a lot mm-hmm. of meandering, <laughs> and I think. We clearly had a Black Panther story that needed to be told, even without Black Panther. Mm. And that where that left us was we didn't need the the Everett Ross stuff could have been completely taken out. I also feel as good as that opening scene was, and it set where the world was after Wakanda revealing itself, where you have the French and American diplomats at the EU. To me, that proposed a different film. There was going to be a war for resources. The film wasn't referential to that there afterwards. Also, the stuff with Val, they make her a governmental figure that's employed by the state as opposed to an independent bad, bad actor. I just, once there were just so many lingering shots that I felt if they had trimmed them all a bit, that maybe we could... <laughs> it just seemed too long. I, and it, it wasn't that it was dragging or anything. I, I just truth bladder bladder hurting by three hours but <laughs> <laughs> i was sitting there going well we didn't really have to linger on that scene quite that long did we <laughs> like repeatedly 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 if you the adding up all those little cuts would have made a big difference i think the un scene was was important the talokan wakandan and human narrative doesn't play out it doesn't play out because obviously, especially at the end when he's like, you know, the humans will come to them and they will turn to us. Mm-hmm. Without that kind of, as you say, antagony implicitly in your face, it, you've got no real coat to hang, uh, hang and put your coat on. The only thing that I'm saying with that yeah. Yeah. is maybe it's t-shirt weather. Maybe we don't need the coat. <laughs> I, I feel like that's it was an additional contrivance that wasn't potentially necessary. Like that whole the normal people sort of aspects of it. In terms of what you said, I agree that the vow stuff without a, and then what? So, yeah, you know, yeah, we've yeah, had yeah. a pop-up, we had a pop-up, and now you're the director of CIA. Oh, uh, all right, we'll go with that then. Oh, oh you're his ex-wife. Uh, all right, we'll go with that then. You know, yeah, there that is, was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. The, <laughs> that was so there strange. Is, in the comics, it wasn't Everett Ross. She was Nick Fury's ex-wife. And, right. he, and she tried to kill Nick Fury. He killed her. She turns out to be a scroll. Need I say more? So we see where that kind Ooh. of is the mini, mini, mini setup. So even though yes, we're yes, like, yes, 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 right now, now you're feeling the weight of. Oh, okay, yeah, no, yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. Not said yeah. about that. 
Well, that's that's where these movies of the week is because they have to set up these global chess pieces, and mm-hmm. so sometimes feel shoehorned in. But I mean, it's all in service of the broader plot. Ultron acted like we were talking about earlier about it. it's like an, in a like a Star Wars, like an Empire Strikes Back type of thing. You know, there's no there's no clear conclusion to the story. It seems like a lot of pieces are being moved into place. I could imagine that being true of this one too. I mean, certainly it has those features. I mean, it's very explicit about that. I mean, the last actual scene of the movie is with Namor explaining, you know, what yes. the global pieces are. I mean, I think it's just like pretty clear in that in that respect. We spoke a little bit about the performance of Letitia Wright, but what was the actor's name who played Namor? Oh, I had uh, it. Tenok Huerta. Thank you. Yeah. He was great. Like he felt menacing. Like he felt... Oh, yeah. He, he felt powerful, powerful, but not in a physical way. Yeah, the gravitas was there. Yeah. It's almost predictably... Un- unpredictable everybody's tense because they don't know what he's going to do next but he is going to do something if you know what i mean (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think the great thing uh, about his character this is a guy that's going to do whatever he needs to do to get where he needs to get i loved that killmonger was in this film yeah i had no clues no clue i I, I knew I, and, and the reason what, what made me think about it, I saw him at the premiere and I'm like, oh, okay. you're not oh, there, you're there, not you there just for Looks. photo shoots. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was really important because of the, the juxtaposition that you could hold Shui's journey to in this film. Yeah. And what mm-hmm. I also liked was the way that they visually displayed this was through the use of fire. When Killmonger was burning the heart-shaped herb, Yeah. When they were in the ancestral plane, she was almost absorbed by Farrell. Sometimes when you're full of anger and rage, it can come from different places, but it can have the same outcome. Mm. Yeah. She was in the water and then she came out totally dry. I was like, that is wicked. Definitely, definitely. That was really good. Killmonger was the icing. You know, there were theories out there, Thor, Love and Thunder, with there's clearly an afterlife, that there may be a way to... Bring people back, and so Killmonger might come back. And then outcry would be, "Well, if you can do that with Killmonger, why can't you do that with everybody to, else?" Yeah, everybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. But you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's comics. But that's one of the things that I kind of rate the MCU for is that, yeah, it's comics. But if you're out, you're out. You're out. <laughs> you know, you're out. Of Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. She's gone. When you have such a, a talismanic lead as Chadwick Boseman from the first film, was one concern that maybe this film would have no star power? I was pleasantly surprised by how they did in their own right. I, I didn't, I didn't feel the the chasm that I expected to feel. Yeah. and I really had low expectations in that regard. So yes, I was definitely impressed. Yeah, they can't put this on Angela Bassett. She's the only one with the. The, the real power, to, yeah. Yeah, the real power, but everyone... And well, Baca again, stepped up like crazy. Yeah, I never thought I would be so invested mm-hmm. in Okoye's journey. Yes. I was like, wow, why am I feeling That was like so this? good. Yeah, I got all in my Powerful, feelings, too. Yeah. I want to talk about post-credits. Nakia and mm-hmm. Shuri at the end of the film. When she burnt her funeral attire, I thought that was a really a great way to, to end the film. It started and ended in a very personal note. Post-credit thing, though, goodness me, it's a bit of a knee-jerk course correction. Created his son, who could be any age, Mm. called T'Challa. 
the heir to Black Panther and Wakanda. It just feels a little bit clunky. Yeah, I, that to me was possibly the most disappointing part of the entire mm. film. I mean, there are two things. One other thing we haven't talked about, which we can, is Riri Williams. We barely touched on her. Yeah. Role. Also very disappointing, in my opinion. Hey, but it. to... to so the thing i love most about the movie like i said in the beginning is that it centered the women it's like in all most of these movies other than obviously wanda and uh, natasha's movie either an ensemble cast or, or a male uh lead centered and here we had you know all the women centered and the the overarching theme centering their their grief over the loss of this person they love. Yeah. And rather than just like continue on that, which is like, I thought a very refreshing part of the film, reintroduced a new male heir. It's like, you just undercut the entire strength yeah. of the thematic part of the themes I love best about the movie. So I, I found that to be very- Yeah, he was adorable. Oh, the kid was cute. Yeah, I kept thinking, yeah. is that his real kid? Or <laughs> <laughs> On that note as well, did you notice the use of elephants? throughout the film yes. they have a matriarchal power lineage compare that to the there was only female monarchy left that comparison was was really really clever and as tim said to finish it like that they just faced the camera and went not really disappointing totally uh, but yeah, yeah it's Reeby Williams. I didn't like the character. We were talking earlier about like how bloated the movie felt. And I kind of give this movie a pass because it had to have the bookends of the Chad book Boseman stuff. So that extended yeah. the movie a bit. Yeah. But I thought honestly, like she could have been almost entirely eliminated. Like the yeah. plot point she serves didn't need to be served by her. And the only mm. point she had was to serve a plot point. Right. It, it, I just did not. And I, I found it like she was a MacGuffin. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that's not, what it, it felt was, like. And it was not compelling. I mean, the, she's introduced just for the sake of introducing her. There's no there's no purpose to it. I, I just did not feel like all that stuff in, that set in Boston mattered, like was interesting or mattered all that much. Not so. um, I just felt like every time she was on screen, I, I don't think it's, and I don't think it's the actor. And I don't, not no, even sure I think it's the character. It's just the way that, that she was written into the story. I just felt like bored every time she was like, it was a scene centering her. Now, yeah. See, I didn't find her as, her as annoying but i've seen her in other parts that i can't think of the name of them but her face was familiar to me and i like the actress so it wasn't so much that i hated what she did i just didn't i don't know it just seemed like like you said another puzzle piece would say yeah it was ill-fitting there's no purpose she served that couldn't have been served more simply using some other just like easier plot device a character for the sake of plot which is Everett Ross could have just have said I'm not going to give my source away because that's how it works and then he could have been the person that was in trouble that costume was whack it looked <laughs> awful the CGI looked awful yeah. what those like manga robots that it looked like a really bad one of them from the 90s and yeah. I just want to say how disappointing that final set piece was it lacked scale two complete cultures, two complete societies. It looks like the people on your street have fallen out. Totally, totally. And we've seen like with the, the final duo log with Namora and Namor at the end, was it mm -hmm. those two? Yeah. That he's calculated, he's fucking clever, but yet he gets provoked. Maybe there was further machination involved. This is a film of subtlety. 
And that was too on the nose. It just went back to MCU set piece. The, the supposed end of phase four, I thought this was going to have the final 40 minutes of Endgame or the final hour of Return of the King. Something that had spectacle enough to close it off. But what we actually had was something more akin to the end of the first Deadpool film. Yeah, that's a that's a good way of putting it. Totally. Yeah, I was I was likewise very underwhelmed by that final set piece. Five prominent Wakandans on the ship. Mm. I, I know. I just felt it, it was not very imaginative. It like you not said, lacked scale. Yeah. Oh, and do you know the agent, the female agent? I knew I recognised her from looking it up. Looking it up previously. Help me. Where was she from? She isn't an actress per se she's a voice actress and she does poison ivy in the harlequin animated series oh. i think her name's hmm. some i think is it faye bell or something something bell she's one of the most prominent voice actors fuck who did she do in she did something in in the what if series as well but i can't for oh, the really? can't for the life of me she, i will say off the top of my head guessing she was black widow oh, lake bell yeah black widow yeah lake bell's her name okay oh yeah 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 We've talked enough about this, frankly. I don't know how you feel. Are you sick of hearing my voice yet, Tara? Never. But as the, <laughs> as far as the movie goes, of course, I think we're done. Yeah, I think <laughs> we're done as well. I think we're done and double done, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> to sum it up, you either recommend or you either say to somebody, this film's worth watching or not watching. You can't seven out of 10 watch something. Yeah, I, I'd recommend it for that first 15 minutes. Absolutely recommend, yeah. Wasn't expecting to feel this strongly positive about it. I definitely would. I, and I don't even feel, I don't even feel like it felt as long as the runtime. I actually felt that to me, it felt a little shorter, which tells me I had a, fun, a good time, notwithstanding some of the problems I had with it. But yeah, I would absolutely recommend it. Yeah. Like I said, it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's a good film. We'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for listening to the end of this podcast. If you're on YouTube, thanks for sticking around. Remember to like, share, subscribe, follow even if you want to give us a thumbs down and say that I'm just like a bit of a prick, that's fine. You could do that on YouTube. <laughs> it all counts. So thankfully. <laughs> so, clicks we welcome. Clicks. <laughs> <laughs> so Tara, do you want to say goodbye to the people? Um, goodbye, everyone. Thank you for coming with us. And please, like Matt said, like, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff. Follow us to the end. Indeed. Ah. Oh, I like Tim. that. <laughs> Yeah, um, absolutely. It's great talking to you guys about this and looking forward to the next one. Excellent. So I again would like to, if you're still listening to us, I'd like to thank you for holding on, especially if you live in Belgium. And <laughs> I am Matt. I am the co-host. Please join us again next week for more frivolity and enthusiasm. Like, share, follow, subscribe. And that only leaves me one thing to say. We have been, and this is the end. <laughs> God, guys, that was a fucking marathon. That was like, fun. We, all, we, we deserve medals.